Hi, my name is Jordan Lytle, and this is the Collected Nonsense Podcast, a podcast about music, games, and other nonsense. With me, I have my co-host, Zachary Bruno. Zachary, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. A little tired, but we're recording the podcast a little later than we normally did, so I should be more awake, but I'm not necessarily. <laughs> it's all good. All right, so what have you been up to this week? That's we'll a good question. Right yeah. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a lot of music. Um, I actually just got a ukulele, so I'm kind of playing along with that and learning oh, cool. chords and stuff. Yeah. So it's it's been pretty fun. How different is that playing or playing that from something like a guitar or a, um, like a mandolin? I I don't really know about the mandolin, but I know that it's way easier than a guitar, be, just because it's. I mean, there's only four strings, so you don't really have that many. Like for a C, if you're tuning in the C tuning, then um, for a C chord, it's just like one finger on the bottom string, uh, which is like, it's really easy. And um, and the strings are obviously easier to press. So, I mean, it's it's fun. It's kind of it's kind of a cute instrument and it has kind of like a happy vibe to it. So I kind of like well, it. What kind of, uh, what brand did you get? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, it sounds like I didn't do my research, but like, I did do my research. I did. I just didn't. You just don't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't go based off of brand. I went based off of like reviews and stuff. But uh, it's not really a like. It's not like Taylor or Martin or anything like that. Um, okay, so it's it's more of a, a lesser known. Yeah. Brand. That was about a hundred bucks, but it sounds really good. Okay. Is that how is that uh, price range wise for mandolins? Is that low or mid or? Are, are you talking about? Is a mandolin the same thing as ukulele? I don't, I don't really know. Oh, did I say mandolin? I yeah. meant ukulele. Yeah, I've never. Like really... I said before, I'm tired. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't really. Um, yeah, I think you can get. I think fifty dollars is pretty much the the minimum you want to pay for one. But there are, I think there was like some plastic ukuleles that are very like durable. I guess they're built for like traveling and stuff and. People mm-hmm. like them a lot, and apparently they sound really good, even though they're plastic. But those are those are under fifty. But pretty much, like if you get something that's over fifty dollars, you're gonna get something that's fairly decent. Oh, okay. I'm I'm sure, like any instrument, there are versions of it that go over a thousand dollars. Some of which are worth it, and some of which are not. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So you've been doing anything else this week? Uh, yeah, I've been writing some songs, so that's been kind nice. of fun. Yep. Finished anything yet, or is just still working on them? Uh, well, in my mind, nothing's ever finished, so I think it's just, you kind of have to know when to stop. <laughs> but, well, uh, I guess, like, finished is in decided that's good enough to record. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose, yep. Okay, cool. What, what kinds of songs? It's, um, well, it's... I'm not like too too proud of it. I'm I'm the only reason I'm proud of the song that I made was because, um, because I finished a song and I've never finished like a song with lyrics before. Like it's never happened. I've always had like snippets, but this one's kind of like complete and I kind of like the fact that it sounds good. But um, but it's like a worship song, so it just sounds really cliche to me. And oh, okay. I know that's probably because I have you know I've heard so many of them and I'm just trying to like copy and find what I like, but. But yeah, so it's 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 cool, but kind of cliche, but cool. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Most 
most songs of that genre sound like that anyway, so it doesn't make it any worse than anything True. else in that genre. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but still. That's cool. What about you, man? Well, let's see. Been mostly working, as usual. Uh, did I do anything interesting? Let's see. I don't know. I don't think I did have done anything really interesting. Oh, you know, I did. Um, this, I will probably save most of this for the game section or segment of the podcast. But uh, yesterday, my siblings and I played Clue using Tabletop Simulator, which is a computer program that lets you, you know, simulate any board game on the computer and play together over the internet. So we were able to play with my sister who's in Washington. Sweet. It was cool. So yeah, I may talk about that a little bit more in the game section, but uh, I, I like to keep that, you know, the details of the game out of the, just the intro section. I don't know. Yeah, other than that, just work and listen to some music and stuff like that. So Any new music? Um... Oh, oh, okay. So I've been listening to a ton of the baseballs this week. The baseballs. I've never. Have you ever listened to the baseballs? I feel like I need to look them up now because I don't. I've never heard of that band name. Yeah, yeah. Just write it down. You can look it up later. But uh, the baseballs, they're from Germany, I think. But they're a a band that does mostly covers of modern songs, but they do the covers in the style of like the late fifties and early sixties. And it's amazing. It's really, really good. I think my favorite is their version of, um, hot and cold, which I think is a Katy Perry song. I do not like the normal version of it, but I like the baseball's version. <laughs> yeah. A lot. It's super catchy. But yeah, that's, uh, that. And then of course, you know, Springsteen and Gaslight Anthem is always, it's kind of my go-to. Yep. So well, I was at, yeah, I was, I just keep wanting to listen to them, but I never get around to it. Um, I saw, we were at the library and I saw, there's like this, this rack, it was like one shelf of 50 cent CDs that they were selling. And, um, I think it's cool. Like all of them were pretty much like from the eighties, nineties and two thousands. And it was so weird because I recognized some of the artists names and like, I don't know, I wasn't even born then. I don't even listen to that stuff. And somehow I knew you know, just like faintly familiar with, with the names and, and stuff. It kind of had like this weird sense of nostalgia, of, you know, attached to it. But I did see, I ended up seeing a Bruce uh, Springsteen album. It kind of made me want to listen to his music again. Which one did you see? Ah, man, that was, it was like, I think it was in 87. I don't remember what it was. I think it was 87. Did you remember what the cover looked like? It was kind of bluish. I think it had him in the his face okay. or something like I don't that. I don't know off the top of my head which one that is um I think right next to him I have magic which is one of his albums which is a good one it's a more recent one though I think okay not the band magic no no no, no. his album magic it's got the song radio nowhere on it which is really good I mean a lot of the songs in here are really good I just like that one in particular it's good stuff I think it was man he has a lot of albums Wow. Yeah, no, he he's been around for a while, so Yep. <laughs> and he's been making music constantly. Man. Yeah, that's that's impressive to keep making music. Like usually you see I mean, 
the rare people like John Mayer and stuff they'll they'll keep making music but usually well, then you got Bob Dylan who will probably make music till the day he dies <laughs> <laughs> also he never does a song the same way twice which is kind of amusing so every time you look up lyrics for Bob Dylan songs you get three different uh that's like, weird or three or more different sets of lyrics because every time he does it, he just adds a verse in or takes a verse out or changes the words up or something just because he likes to mess with it. He, I guess he he would probably also agree that a song is never done. Right. Except instead of just deciding not to change it anymore, he's just like, oh, why not? I'll add a verse <laughs> or take one away. That's that's an interesting concept. I, I personally am against that idea or I'm leaning opposite from that idea just because I'd, when people change their songs, sometimes it seems like, you know, it, it was better before and it kind of, in a sense, it kind of like, the artist, I mean, it's easy for you as an artist to be like, well, I can make it better, you know, and always make it better, but sometimes you just have to leave it where it is and just... Well, I think part of it. it's that he's not trying to make it better either. He He's just, he doesn't really change it for albums for the most part. He'll change it while in concert, like uh, yeah. one time when he plays it, he'll add a verse in or uh, take a verse out. Really? Wow. Okay. So it's more just doing it a different way just to spice things up. Right. Unless like, it is better now. This is the new good way and the other way was bad. It's just, yeah. you're just messing around. Although every once in a while he'll release an album with all the songs and he'll change a bunch of stuff up, which is fine. But Right. They have to re-record everything. Might as well just change stuff. Yeah. Might yeah. as well mess with it a little bit. Yeah. I kind of uh, there are a few artists who are around now who have old stuff that was recorded and produced terribly and I wish they would go back and record some of that stuff. I I wish Springsteen would go re-record a lot of the stuff from um his older albums again and just re-release it instead of like is what they'll remaster it but it doesn't it's not it doesn't sound right cuz they'll probably screw up the um, masters on it they'll compress it too much and all sorts of weird stuff it just won't sound right but if they just re-record it it might be good that and uh, Meatloaf have you ever listened to Meatloaf? no Meatloaf is great um, his first album Bad Out of Hell is amazing but it's also one of the worst produced albums <laughs> like it's just it really needs to be he needs to re-record it it's good What what genre is it? uh it's like seventies rock, kind of. Okay, is that like, what like how would it compare to like baseball and Springsteen? Uh, it's completely different from both of those two. Like Springsteen is like you know eighties, nineties rock, or eighties really, just very eighties. And the baseballs are like fifties, and this is like seventies. So his style changes over time, but it's always like a rock and roll, you know. Um, kind of old school, but just go listen to when you have time. Go listen to uh, "Bad Out of Hell," just the song "Bad Out of Hell." Okay, it's good. So yeah, um, so I guess we're in the music segment now, where we have been for the past what five minutes. <laughs> um, so what have you been listening to this week? Um. Lots of 21 Pilots. Um, that's kind of the the thing that I've been kind of catching on lately. It's kind of weird, though, because I, 
I've heard about them a while back, and I didn't really... I mean, I kind of liked one or two of their songs, but it didn't really connect with me very well. And then now I see, for whatever reason, I just, like, I see the brilliance and the the, the talent in it, I guess, and kind of like it a lot. So what do you like about it? I, I went and watched a couple of their music videos, listened to a few of their songs, and, like, it was good, but it didn't really catch me. Okay. So what what do you like about it specifically? Well, which which music videos did you see? Uh, I don't remember. You don't See, that's remember? Like, none, of, none of them caught me enough for me to remember them. Okay. Um, yeah, I... Wow. Um, it's... I did watch, like, one or two interviews with the actual artists, so maybe that kind of helped a little bit because I got to see kind of, like, the inside that usually does. of... Yeah, how they make music and stuff and why and stuff like that. But, but, um, but yeah, they... Their uh, their style is they don't have a style really. I mean they have a, a flair on music and the way they compose, but they're not confined to any particular um, style. If you listen to one album straight through, it's not going to have any. Um, there, there'll be probably some like reggae, some hip hop, a little bit of kind of rap, kind of maybe not like officially rap stuff, but but rap ish kind of uh, music and. Um, I kind of like the fact that, I mean, they're all generally beat driven because the band consists of two people. It's the drummer and the guy who sings and plays piano and bass sometimes. So it's basically a drummer and a, and another musician. Um, so it's cool because it's just a different kind of band. It's a different kind of vibe. But I think the thing that really, uh, draws me in a lot more a lot about 21 pilots is the actual message be t- behind the music and it's kind of cryptic at first but uh, you have to keep listening to their music and trying to like decipher what they're actually trying to say uh, and there's a yeah. lot of like really kind of positive messages you know inside but you ha- you can't really tell right away you kind of have to like really try to try to figure out what they're saying so that's kind of it's kind of my my take on 21 pilots I might listen to them a little bit more. It was interesting to see a band that was only like a singer and a drummer. It was a little interesting. But it, I guess they're, the the songs that I listened to, I did notice that there was a pretty diverse set of styles that they were able to play. But And, and they did it well. It, it just wasn't really my thing, I guess. I might listen to a little bit more just to see if I can find anything of theirs that I like a little better. Incidentally, every time you say 21 Pilots, it reminds, for whatever reason, I get the song uh, 41 Shots or American Skin by Bruce Springsteen stuck in my head. <laughs> I guess just because they both start with a number. I don't know. But, which is kind of funny, too, because that song is like, it, it kind of fits with a lot of stuff that's happened, been happening, because the song is about like police brutality. It was written about, like, there was a guy who, um, match the description of a uh, like a wanted person and so all these plainclothes police officers uh, went up to him and like you know yelled that they were the police and the guy like ran towards his house because he's right next to his house and then pulled out his wallet i guess to get his key or something i don't know what but they assumed that it was a gun and they fired 41 shots at him wow Hence the name 41 Shots, and 19 of which hit him. They killed him. He wasn't even armed, and he wasn't the person they were looking for. That's insane. Yeah. So that that's what the song was about. I was like, okay. 
but you're saying for, it's kind of like it kind of fits with what's just, going on like there's a lot of stuff like that happening right now yeah. so it's kind of funny that i would think of that song over the past couple days but yeah all right so you've been listening to anything else or just uh mostly 21 pilots mostly just 21 pilots yep cool all right, so I think we will move on to the games segment. There's been a lot going on in the games industry right now, by which I mean and a lot of things being announced and a lot, a lot of things happening because it's E3 is this next week, or actually it'll be the week that this podcast goes up. And what's E3? E3 is the Electronic Entertainment Expo, and it's a... It's like the industry conference for all things electronic. So, you know, it'll be games and, you know, I guess TVs and stuff like that are also there. But it's just a lot of different games companies come out and just kind of uh, network and they announce stuff. They hold press conferences. I don't know. I probably wouldn't go because it's not really my thing. It just doesn't sound all that interesting because it's mostly press conferences and stuff like that. But the upshot of that is that a lot of things that will be announced there. So that's where people like to announce all their games. But for whatever yeah. reason, this year, everybody has been announcing things like a week beforehand. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know how we're going to announce Fallout 4? Well, guess what? Fallout 4. A week <laughs> before we probably should be announcing it. I guess to get people to show up at their press conference or something? I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. Like nobody's going. We'll but, see. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah. Oh, so last week, we were talking about Fallout 4, right? Or was that two yep. weeks ago? Yeah, it was last week. Yep. And you mentioned that it reminded you of another game. Yep. I think it was The Novelist, right? Yep. So I went and looked up that game. And it looks really familiar to me. But I don't... I know I've never played it. And I don't know where I would know it from. I also don't understand why Fallout 4 would remind you of it. So <laughs> do you care to kind of explain? Okay, so from what I saw, first off, for the listeners, um, Fallout, or Fallout 4 is a post-apocalyptic like first-person RPG. Or first and third person, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the Novelist is a third-person like art game. Well, it's kind, kind of first-person, actually. Oh, is it first person? Okay, so it's like a... The trailer made it look like it was third person, but it may have just been a weird trailer thing. Really? Uh, But it was... Yeah, it's kind of a... Yeah, some sort of art game. That's what it looked like. Art game? (laughs) Well, it's the best way to... It's a narrative-based game, is what it looked like. So it's... I mean, it's an art game in the sense that, like, there's... It doesn't look like there was a... There was a specific like this is a game. This is these are the mechanics. Right. It's, it was the basic premise of it was something along the lines of you are a novelist and you're trying to manage your your work and your life and your family and uh, try to keep everything straight. Yeah, it's. I think from what I got from it, it's more like you're like this. You're kind of like this ghost. I don't know exactly what you are, but you're. I did not get that from the trailer at serious? all. Okay. Yeah. That's not what it looks like. So, <laughs> so maybe it was just a bad trailer, or I looked up a different game. No, I think you looked up the right one though, because I sent <laughs> you the link. <laughs> but it's... well, I did. I I looked it up separately because I didn't see the link that you sent me in oh, the okay. Skype chat. Okay. Um, so let me click on on that Skype link and make sure that I'm looking at the right thing. 
I think you got it though, but it's it's like you're you're kind of I don't exactly know why you're there. I forgot. Um, I guess I didn't I didn't get that from the trailer, but you get to like uh, wait maybe it. Yeah, no, I, I was watching the right thing. Yeah. This is the novelist, a game about life, family, and the choices we make. Right, you get yeah, to so see game. how your how people's choices affect their lives. And okay. So you get, I somehow you're able to like influence people, I think, and you get to read notes about how, you know, what people are are thinking and feeling, and then you get to like influence their lives so that they can. I guess so that they can make positive changes in their lives because I guess the family isn't kind of like falling apart at the time that you're you're there. Uh, I don't know who you are. That's the thing that I forgot or I didn't get from the trailer, but you ha- you can't be seen, you can't be caught, um, but n- you can be safe in the light fixtures. So in order to get caught accidentally, you'd have to like walk around and you have to walk around in order to do certain things like read notes um, okay, I guess that makes sense. So you are you you don't play the novelist. You're just the novel. It, it's it's called the novelist because it's about the novelist and their family, and you kind of affect. Kind them. of, but then there's obviously that that no, novelist idea where novelist idea where you're like you're kind of trying to write their own story, kind of I guess in a way. Okay, so you're affecting their story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so incidentally, the um, it is on sale this week, or uh, actually. The Steam summer sale is happening right now. News also. The novelist is on sale for five dollars and nine cents. If you feel like buying it, have at it. And it's an indie adventure, casual story rich stealth game. Apparently, according <laughs> to Steam, that sounds pretty. And the Metacritic accurate. is sixty six out of a hundred. So. The rating. <laughs> yeah, not particularly stellar, but... It's not pretty good. But it did... You're probably wondering why it reminded me of the game. Yes, yeah. that was the, my question. Yeah. I don't I don't really know. I think the only reason is because it, I don't play very many games, so the, the two scenes matched in my head where in Fallout, the trailer showed one scene where, um, where the family was there, and then it showed basically the same cut scene where after the family had been like either gone or died and the nuclear blast had gone through their home so it showed like two different possibilities i guess in in the home and i guess that kind of reminded me of of that uh, the novelist because there's in the novelist you you get to like see um, different memories um play through in so basically sometimes you can like see something that's not really there but you can see it from the past inside the same room that's kind of why hmm you know that reminds me of another great game which you should actually play because it's really fun uh and that is sam and max i think it's season three the devil's toy box that's a great game it's a a point and click adventure about sam and max it's a dog who is a a dog and a bunny rabbit who are uh, detectives and they go around and solve mysteries and the it's episodic so there's like five different episodes and each one has like a different central game mechanic and so 
part of the whole deal with it is they discover these toys that have magical superpowers somehow. I, I forget exactly how or why, but it's great. And one of the things you can do is you can use one of them to read people's minds and another one to like look into the past. So in order to solve some of the puzzles, you have to like look into what happened in the room in the past and see what happened. Or, or I think one of them is like you look into the future or something. And so you get different pieces of what's going to happen and use that to figure out what you have to do to solve the puzzle. There's one episode where everything that happens happens on reels of film. And so each reel of film is like one section of the game. And so you can pick, you can play them in any order, but you'll eventually hit a point where you need information from one of the other reels of film to proceed. So you have to play them out of order. You can't play them in order. Huh. It's really interesting and really well done. And it's funny. <laughs> it's it's a very amusing game too. And it's probably on sale right now too. Uh, it is, let us see. Sam and Max. It's the Devil's Playhouse, not the Devil's Toy Box, correction. And it is $5 on Steam for the entirety of the Steam sale, which is until the 22nd. And it may go even cheaper. So you can get the Sam and Max Complete Pack for 10 bucks, Or the Telltale Collection, which has all the Telltale games for 60 bucks, which is not too shabby. Now that I'm done doing an ad for Steam... <laughs> Where was I? Oh yeah, we were talking about the novelist and how it reminded you of Fallout. Okay, so I, I, I guess it's kind of it kind of reminded you of Fallout visually. Yeah, more than more, anything more else. Than okay. Anything, yeah. Interesting. So there, there's been a bunch of stuff happening with games, actually. Valve. We were talking about Valve last week, and how they kind of just do whatever they feel like. Yep. Well, you know, I was kind of hoping they'd announce a new game. They just announced that their next project is to redo Dota again. What's that? Uh, Dota, it's Defense of the Ancients. It was an old, I think, uh, what was it, a Warcraft mod, I think? I'm, I forget exactly where it started out. The point is, it's a MOBA, and it's a very popular MOBA, um, which... I guess if you if you don't know what a MOBA is, do you? Nope. Okay. I'm trying to think of how to explain a MOBA best. It's... Okay, so it's, it's a game where you control... You have one map. You control characters in third person, like top down. And there are different lanes with towers along them. And so you have like five people on your side and then five people on another side. Or a certain number. depends on which MOBA. Uh, and you each control a character... And your characters have different powers. So you're trying to push all the way through the towers to the other side of the map and kill the other enemy's base. And you have, I guess, little minions that help you. And so your goal is really just to help your minions get further to attack the next tower and so on and so on. And so there, each side has their own set of heroes, which are the characters you play. And so they, they all do different things and they match up differently. So you have to push different lanes and stuff like that. So that's what Dota is, basically. It has a steep learning curve, and the um, 
player base is kind of toxic. <laughs> but it's not really my thing. It's it's a good game, but I was kind I'm kind of disappointed that Valve decided to that the next thing they're going to work on is just they just released Dota 2 a couple years ago. And they're going to put it in a new engine, which on the bright side means we're getting Source 2, which is, you know, a new Valve engine. So theoretically, maybe they'll put Half-Life 3 on it. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know. It, it's just not that interesting. It's like, yeah, we're going to redo the graphics. It's like, well, great. But how do you know, like, what's wrong sure with the current ones? Do, since they're so secretive, it seems like. Oh, in this case, they, they announced this part. Yeah. Other than that, we're just guessing. Yeah. But they, they announced that they were... Oh, I guess the, the beta is launching next week, too. Ah, uh, okay. So For you, you the new Dota 2. Okay, whatever. I don't know. It's just very much not my thing. I guess it's good, but... Yeah, well, I mean, there's different people that like different things. It's hard to please everyone, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm always more happy when people are doing, like, I guess they're making more games as opposed to redoing things that are not particularly significant about current games. Like none of the people that play Dota 2 play it for the graphics. None of them. Mm -hmm. They all play it for the gameplay. Like if they're going to say, we're going to make a new version of Dota and we're going to try to rehaul all uh, overhaul all of the, uh, the gameplay and do all this stuff to make it better. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. And they're doing some stuff, like that they're working on getting tutorials together to where it works a lot better because it's got a very steep learning curve stuff like that but still for the most part i don't know it's just not exciting yeah any thoughts i just no i i kind of just think um i don't know like just for the limited amount of time that i I was introduced and have been exposed to Steam and Valve and stuff like that. Um, from what I can see, it just—I mean, it—it it doesn't necessarily look like they're changing directions um, totally, but it does look like they are kind of focusing on different things because they've always done. Um, it seems like they've always done like Half-Life, Portal, and and um, I mean, they, those have been really great games, and those have been like games that people really, really like a lot. So now it seems like, um, like, I don't know why or how that happens. I know you mentioned that I think Valve have, has an open, like an open employment structure where, you know, everybody can decide what they want to do and there's not really anybody telling them, you know, like we're going to work on Half-Life 3. If nobody wants to work on Half-Life 3, it doesn't get done. I think that's what you said. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's like, are there different people that are being hired? You know what I mean? Like, because that could change. That could change a lot. It might just be that the current people are bored of working on first-person shooters and stuff like that. They may just want to work on different things, which is fine. But that would kind of explain the way that everything has been going. If everybody's just kind of sick of working on the, like, actual new IP and they're just working. Well, okay, so there's a couple things that could be happening. It's really weird that everything that's coming out is just tools. Come to think of it. Now that I'm thinking about it. They're releasing new stuff for Steam. Lots of Steam updates. They're releasing Steam boxes. And they're releasing stuff like Dota 2 graphics updates. So when you think about it. So they're, 
the resistance people are doing a lot of stuff. Their artists are kind of doing stuff, but what are all their designers doing? Yeah. Did they switch and do something else? Or it, it kind of, it seems to be like they have a lot of people hired that aren't, their work is not shown in the new things that they're working on right now. So that makes me kind of wonder if there's something they're working on that they're not telling everybody about. Yep. It's <laughs> a good point. Which might be good. So we'll see. Half-Life 3? I mean, they've done that kind of thing before, it seems like. Yeah, I guess, like, I think with, like, Portal 2 and stuff, that, that announcement kind of came out of the blue. Yeah. So... I'm hoping that they're just waiting. It's going to be done, and they're like, oh, by the way, it's on sale. <laughs> yep. Well, I think or they're I... just not going to tell anybody, and it'll be on sale in a Steam sale. And they just will not That'd be they funny. mention it. That would be actually pretty funny. But And that it would get a lot of press, obviously, because, you know, it's like, surprise. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, as far as press goes, they can do do no wrong from that standpoint. They could They could say nothing, and it'll be everywhere. Yep. They don't have to do anything with that. The, the only problem is, if they make a game that is anything less than perfect, everyone will hate it. <laughs> Which really sucks. Yeah. You know, that's kind of why having, I mean, you have a high standard and you kind of have to live up to it, I guess, in some yeah. ways. Well, some of that they've done to themselves, though, because the longer you make people wait, the better they expect it to be. They're like, well, if, if it's taken you 10 years to make it, yeah. it better have 10 years worth of extra polish on it. Right. And that never happens. Yeah. So if they actually started making it at the end of Half-Life 2 or when they finished Half-Life 2 and they've been making it for this long, it's not going to be good because it, unless they, the, the problem is when you start making a game and make it over about 10 years, there are things in the game that were made 10 years ago. Yep. And those things are just outdated. That's why you have things like Duke Nukem Forever, which took forever to come out. No pun intended, but I mean... That game was just not good. It was very obvious that it was designed a long time ago. And that it was just not well done. It, did, it didn't age well. There were things in it that... There were jokes in it that were written when they started making the game that were not even relevant by the time the game came <laughs> out. It, yeah. Wow. That's the problem. But, you know, the thing with Valve is that if the game's not good, they'll just throw it away. Like, with the original Half-Life... There was a complete version of it that they threw away. Wow. The the version of Half-Life that was released was the second draft. Nice. I mean, I say complete, maybe it wasn't 100% complete, but it was it was done enough that they were they were testing it. They were testing the whole game. Right. The storyline. Yeah, it was there and they were like this is boring. Yeah. We're going to throw this out and start over. And they did. See that I like that. I like, and maybe that's what they're doing with Half Life Three. You know, just taking time. To... I'm hoping so. Yeah. The for, on the surface, it just looks like they're moving away from games, and I really, really hope that's not the case because they're good at making games. They're kind of this the go to people for PC. Like the, when people think of PC gaming, they think of Valve because I guess they're the face of PC gaming. You know. And every game that they've made has been good on PC. I can't I can't think of a single game they've made that wasn't good. Yeah, not a single <laughs> one. Like, 
I think the worst thing they made was just a ricochet, and it was that was a demo of how to make mods, and it was not bad. I just didn't like it. Yeah. So that's interesting. So in other gaming news, because there's a lot this week, uh, YouTube has announced a streaming service for games. YouTube. To co- direct to compete with Twitch. Yeah, YouTube. Not U2, the band. <laughs> That would be interesting. That would be, yeah. You can stream any games you want as long as YouTube is playing in the background. Yeah, and and it would automatically download the game for you on your computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, YouTube wants to compete with Twitch. I'm glad to see competition for Twitch because competition is always a good thing. But... YouTube streaming service has not been very good. Like, they've been allowing streams for a while now. And it just, it tends to be kind of buggy. It's just, they don't give you as much management, as many management tools as Twitch does. Right. So far, Twitch has just been a better platform all the way around. And Twitch has been around for a lot longer as far, in in the streaming sphere, YouTube has only been... I guess meddling with streaming for a little while now. Yeah. Well, I would say it's just more of the logical thing to do for YouTube is kind of get into that kind of side of things and become more streaming savvy. Because I think that's, I mean, there's no, not really any other place to grow, I'd say, for YouTube. Yeah, and actually, come to think of it, in theory, that sounds great. because The idea sounds great because the idea is that you subscribe to a channel and whatever the people that you watch, you know, saved videos of, whenever they start streaming, you're notified. You can just see all of your videos from people that you follow and the stuff that they're doing live all in one place. In theory, it's great. In practice, I'm willing to bet it's got quite a bit of work left to do on it. But I don't know. We'll see. I guess the real danger is that... YouTube is really bad about copyright strikes in that they have a guilty until proven innocent system with copyright law Yeah, where someone can claim, they can copyright claim a video without having to provide any proof at all. Like they don't even have to provide proof that they were mentioned in the video. They can just copyright claim it and the video will be immediately taken down automatically. And and the person's account, or the account of the person that posted the video, will lo- will be have a mark against it. So they have to directly contact YouTube to try to work around it. And if that happens three times, you lose your account. It's ridiculous. You know, in theory, that doesn't sound all that bad. You'd be like, okay, well, if they're if they're violating copyright law, what's the deal? Just don't violate copyright law. We look at things like the whole. Guys of the Wolf fiasco with uh, Total Biscuit, where he, Total Biscuit is a games critic on YouTube. If you know about games, you probably know who he is. Um, to the listener, I don't, I don't think you know Zachary. Have you watched anything by Total Biscuit? No. Okay, well, anyway, long story short, he made a video on a game called Guys of the Wolf, which was on Steam, but was just downright broken. And the developers didn't like the video, so they just copyright claimed it. And it just, it was taken down for weeks. And 
the only reason he was able to get it back up is because he had contacts at YouTube was, and was able to get them to actually directly look at the situation. It was ridiculous. Wow. And stuff like that happens all the time. And there are, there are large companies that do stuff like that too, like Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo was like, well, you know, you can stream our, or you can post videos of our games. As long, what was the what was the whole agreement? Hold on, let me look at it before I say something dumb. They they in general don't allow you to allow you to post videos of their games, which is not legal. But I mean, te- technically, if you're doing criticism, you can always post a video. But they will copyright claim your stuff if you post a video of anything with their stuff in it. It's crazy. Yeah. Let's see if I can pull it up and talk about that for a second. Okay. Yeah. Um. So before they would just copyright claim the videos. They. You had to, in order for them to let you keep your videos up, you would have to register your YouTube channel with their partnership program. And then you would have to give them a cut of all ad revenue for all of your videos, not just the ones that were about Nintendo. Wow. No, okay, here's a quote from it. It's so pretentious. When you register a channel, you will be eligible to receive a share of advertising revenue from Nintendo for all videos included in that channel. Regardless of their content. Wow. So we're allowing you to have some of the money that you're earning. Yeah. It's just it's like really... we're already going to take it. That's obvious. Uh, yeah, no, it was very, very just... The, the way everything in that agreement was phrased is just bad. <laughs> but, but the problem is that streaming on YouTube can open you up to that same... All those same problems that YouTube videos have. And that's still an issue on Twitch, but not nearly as much. So, I don't know. I I wonder what YouTube's policies are going to be as far as what you can stream, because Twitch, I know for sure, will not let you stream AR-rated games. And so I wonder if... Well, and I guess... I guess that's the thing, too. Like, YouTube is more strict in general. So I wonder if they're, if they're streaming things are just as strict as their YouTube videos. Like you can't have any nudity in YouTube videos Well, I have, I and there's definitely nudity in games. So I'm kind of wondering whether like, I don't know, do you know how YouTube is going to launch this new, is it going to be like under a separate name or is it going to be under YouTube? I think it always goes through the same YouTube stuff, but they have a separate app that lets them see, that lets you see all of your gaming content. So it's going to be like if you have an account on YouTube, then you can kind of link it or it's going to be like the same. Then you, yeah, you can just check that it's also a gaming channel and it'll show up. Wow. Yeah, it's gaming.youtube.com. Okay. Interesting. So it's all the same channels and the, the streaming, like the back end is the same. Mm-hmm. It just presented to you in a different way. I mean, there's nothing there right now. It just says join in and level up, which is cheesy as all get out. <laughs> Uh, man. 
Yeah, so let's see. YouTube gaming is built to be all about your favorite games and gamers with more videos than anywhere else. Keeping up with these games and channels is now super easy too. add a game to your collection for quick access to whenever you want to check up on the latest videos. That's actually kind of interesting. So it's really just more ways to organize content and for them to give you better suggestions. Uh, on top of existing features like high frame rate streaming at 60 frames per second, DVR and automatically converting your stream into a YouTube video, we're redesigning our system so that you no longer have to schedule a live event ahead of time. We're also creating a single link you can share for all your streams. So it's, it's really just a, additional features for their existing stuff and just presented in a different way. Yeah. I don't know. I think in general, Twitch has a really big leg up. We'll see. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's kind of, we'll see, we'll see how it works out. Cause I know that there are a lot of, I mean, there's obviously a lot of gaming channels on YouTube too. So, well, and there are, uh, yes, but a lot of the people that stream on YouTube, or people that make gaming videos on YouTube just stream on Twitch. And if they're already used to streaming on Twitch, they may not, may not want to mess with it. Actually, though, it probably won't, in any case, it probably won't kill Twitch, because in a lot of cases, people double stream. Mm. They'll, they'll just stream to both of them, because why not? Do they upload to, can you upload to YouTube? Like, can you go and... Um, stream on Twitch and then save the video and upload to YouTube after. Yeah, they have an automated thing, I think, where you, if I remember correctly, they have an automated thing where you can just sign in and it'll automatically export your VODs or the video on demand. It'll export your VODs to YouTube. But if you if you stream to both, then you can just save the YouTube stream to YouTube. Right. And, just, and then the Twitch VOD to Twitch. Yeah. So that's... I guess the the question to ask is, like, if it's between Twitch and YouTube, why would somebody want to watch something on YouTube versus Twitch? Uh, probably from a customer standpoint, just ease of use. They already know that site. They use a bunch of stuff. But at this at this point, everybody knows about Twitch, and Twitch has features like subscriptions and subscriber only streams, which is a really great way to kind of. Um, curate your the group of people that are watching you for a better environment because it's not fun to be streaming a game and have everybody yelling at you about how much you suck at the yeah. game or just being generally mean so sometimes it's nice to be able to do like a subscriber only stream where it costs like at least five bucks to get in just nice huh so i don't know but i i think the reg like the rules and regulations are going to be a big thing cuz i don't know like you could you could not i don't think you could stream the witcher on youtube just cuz it has nudity and stuff in it nudity is not allowed on youtube right but then i know for a fact there are people like Jesse Cox who's just you know, Let's player who plays with the Witcher on YouTube. So I don't know if he just edits those parts out or if they just let him get away with it. So who knows? I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. You just have to wait and see. 
Hmm. So, oh yeah, we're going to talk about tabletop, uh, tabletop simulator because I didn't actually finish talking about that. It's actually a really, really cool thing. We should actually play a game on it sometime. I don't know if I told you about it um, did, outside yeah. of the podcast before. But yeah, it's a it's a program that basically so a lot of people a lot of companies that make board games have made digital versions of their board games. Like I remember having a Monopoly computer game at one point. But what these people decided to do is instead of making a game that sim uh, making a program that simulates an actual game, they made a program that simulates boards and pieces and cards. So all it does. It doesn't handle the rules at all. It just simulates all of those things on a table and lets you pick up the pieces, roll dice, pick up cards, shuffle them, and then will let you scan in anything to put on those. So you have to decide, like, your score and stuff? Yeah, so you get to handle the rules just like you would with a normal board game. But the upshot of that is that you can put any board game in Tabletop Simulator. All you have to do is scan in the board and scan in the cards set it up in the game and then save it nice so there's no there's no rules or anything how do so how do you like keep track of score do you have to be on like a, a chat room or well you do the exact same thing you do would do in real life it's just a board game right so i mean ideally you're going to all be on skype right because right. you're going to have to be able to talk anyway yeah so, so like we played clue yesterday we were on Skype, and for whatever reason, the Skype quality was awful, but still. So we were able to talk about what was going on. Like, you know, I suggest Colonel Mustard in the library with a knife. And and they were like, well, I, you know, I have a card that disproves that. Here you go. And then, you know, they would pass the card across the table, and then I'd flip the card over and look at it and pass it back. It's really pretty cool. But they have stuff like, well, okay, so there's also, it's also hooked into the Steam Workshop, which means that people can create their own mods and put them up there. So anytime somebody scans a game in, they can add it to the Steam Workshop. So you go out, there's a bunch of stuff already there. So Clue was already out there. They have Star Trek Catan out there. They have Doom, the board game. Uh, Gwent, which is the card game from The Witcher 3, is out there, which is super cool. I really want to play that because I liked playing it in The Witcher, and it'd be cool to actually play that against a real person. Like we should actually play that sometime. That'd be cool. Um, I don't know how it's set up because it's a CCG, so we'll have to see. But uh, what else was there? They had stuff like Life. Uh, Epic Spell Wars is on there, which is cool. Just all sorts of different things people have scanned in and set up so you can play. It's pretty cool. I think I've said cool about 20 times now. But it is. It's it's interesting. And then I saw another thing this week, which I want to play, which I don't I'm curious to see if you've ever played. Have you ever heard of Empire Earth? Nope. It's a lot like Age of Empires. But you can go through all of the ages. So remember how like Age of Empires three specifically, you could go from, you know, the what was the first age? I forget what the first age was, but it was like the Bronze Age or something. Yeah. Like all the way to colonial times. And that was as far as you could go. So in 
Empire Earth, you can go all the way from like cavemen to space age. Okay, sweet. Kind of like you can in Civilization, right. except that the style of the game is like Age of Empires. That sounds and you can pretty do some, fun. Yeah, it's really cool. And you do some really cool stuff too. Like you have these uh, priests who are... Well, okay, so in Age of Empires, you have set civilizations. You know, you, you can be the... I don't even remember what they had. Uh, the Spanish. You can be the British. You can be the Ottomans. In this one, you make your own, you can make your own civilization, and they all look about the same. Like the, they all have the same types of units, but you get to pick like different perks. Like you know, twenty percent faster resources. Like the same stuff you would oh, get okay. with different civilizations in Age of Empires, but you can create your own. And so you have like a certain number of points you can spend, and each one of those perks costs points. So you can choose all that beforehand, and then choose what civilization you want. It's cool. And then there, you have stuff like, uh, I was watching one guy play it, and he had a priest. And the priest walked into a guy's town and created a volcano in the middle of the town, <laughs> which was just awesome. Yeah, and this, and this game was like from, uh, it was made around the same time as Age of Empires 2, I think. It's that kind of style. I don't know. I actually really want to play it. I think it's like $6 on GOG. Sweet. Is it is it something that's... I mean, I know it's it's similar to Age of Empires, but can you actually like compare it in terms of like uh, gameplay and features? I guess you've never played it before, but I haven't. But it it's it is an RTS, just like Age of Empires is. Right. So, I yeah, I would say it's directly comparable. Roughly comparable. Yeah. Well, if I had seen it just like at a glance and not known what it was, I probably would have assumed it was Age of Empires two. Really? Because it's it's very similar. Wow. Who made it? Um, let me see. It was, let me put it this way. It was close enough that I thought it might have been made by the same people that made Age of Empires, but it was not. Is that like EA? Uh, let's see. I don't remember. It may have been published by EA, but I don't think it was made by EA. Age of Empires was made by Microsoft. Oh, yeah, Microsoft. Ensemble. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah. Yeah, it was made by Ensemble. And... Let's see. Empire Earth was made by Microsoft. <laughs> no. Oh, Stainless Steel Studios, and it was published by Sierra. Huh. I've never yeah, heard so of that. Is it? I don't. I think the only thing Stainless Steel Studios has done is Empire Earth, and there's been three of them, but the first one is the one that looked the best. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was released in two thousand one. The first one. Yeah, let me see if I. Yeah, let me see if I can get that. It, I mean, it looks like a lot of fun. I don't even like RTS, and it looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> and and kind of like Age of Empires three, you can choose what era you start into. So you can start in the space age and do only space age stuff, or you can just start in World War One and do all machine gun stuff. So. If it's space age, do you get to to go into space, or is that? I don't think so. In the video I was watching, you didn't go into space age, but I. Th oh wait, no, hold on. Uh, I don't know actually. I don't know how to play it. I I know space age. You get like space age technology, so you end up with like robots and stuff like that. But I don't know. It's kind of cool, though, because, like, 
you can do like you d- could do in Civilization, where you could you would end up with um some people like still in the Bronze Age because they their economy was garbage, and you you're in like World War One era, and you have machine guns. And so they're like shooting arrows at you. You're like, gah, 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 gah. <laughs> that's like they send a huge army of archers and horsemen, and you have like five people with machine guns and just hold them all off. Stuff like that is just a lot of fun. But yeah, so I I may get that and play it. It looks looks like a lot of fun. I'm kind of surprised I've never seen it before. But anyway. So we're getting pretty close to to the end of the podcast. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we close? Um, I guess we kind of I think it would be cool to like talk about I guess different books that we are cool i guess when we have them not like a maybe like a side topic i guess we also had the thought of the week or something wasn't that yeah so we we can do that i i didn't have anything for that this week because i just forgot okay well yeah <laughs> me too i mean like but i have a, I have okay. a book i guess a book suggestion um i'm reading this book i haven't read it all but i've gotten suggestions from my friends and it's called it's um it's basically a book i think it's a three-part series the third book hasn't been written yet far as i know um and it's called the stormlight archives uh, that's, the, oh, okay. that's the title of the series um it's more of like a sci-fi fantasy kind of book first book i just started reading it and it's um i'm on page like 60 and there's like a thousand pages in the first book just to get given i give you an idea of like how how long and detailed this book actually is but it's it's is very it good so long far. and detailed in a good way or just yes. in a i can't believe he's been talking about this no, wall for 30 no. minutes well so far um it's it's in a good way definitely like i'm i have a very specific taste in books in that if it's not really that great i'm not going to read it so i don't read just anything um, because i just can't it just doesn't meld with me so but this one's really good i like it a lot i was caught my interest was caught basically in the second paragraph and that was the prelude so give me a quick like synopsis synopsis okay yeah. i don't know what the plot is um which is interesting because sometimes you can kind of tell what the basically it's gone through like three different characters so far um one of them has died another one was 4500 years before the actual stuff in the book took t- took place so and that was the prelude um but basically it's it's a sci-fi fantasy it's the whole the whole universe is created made up by the author um so there's not really any real like it's probably set in kind of medieval times if you were to compare it um but they have special abilities like special swords um mainly being the shard blade which is basically a blade that can cut through anything except for human flesh and when it touches human flesh it basically kills it basically severs the soul instead of there's no blood or anything, but the sword is like a weird. It like a vaporizes in your hand. It's not um, like what you kind of kind of like I guess summon the sword. So within like ten heartbeats, it just vaporizes in your hand, and you can and use it. And there's different different creatures that are kind of interesting too. So it's pretty cool. It's it's all it's all made up, but it's very well written so far. Interesting. 
It's been a while since I read anything that was in the sci-fi fantasy genre. I think the last thing in that vein that I read was uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh yeah, that which is sitting amazing. around and I haven't read it. So good, really. Yeah, it's very amusing. <laughs> so I've heard Douglas, Ad- Douglas Adams is a great writer. Yeah, or was a great writer. Totally need to read that then. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I, I tend to lean a lot more towards the sci-fi end of the like you know the space sci-fi end of the sci-fi fantasy genre just because I, I like stuff like lord of the rings but i definitely like stuff in space a lot more than i like stuff in medieval times because it tends to go one way or the other what do you mean a lot, a lot of sci-fi stuff it's either in space oh, or yeah. it's in medieval times yep. there's not a lot of <laughs> yeah there's not really a lot of fantasy in present day i guess I mean, maybe, well, I guess there is, it's just all bad. Like Twilight, which is te- yeah, could technically qualify as fantasy. Yeah. Just like it could technically qualify as a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess maybe it's all the stuff that I've, that I would read is in one of those two categories. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, that's the same thing with me. I um, occasionally I read like a John Green book or something and I kind of like want to like it, but I don't really like it that much. I like his writing style, but it's, there's just something about it that just doesn't, I don't connect as much as something like, you know, out there in my imagination, so to speak. Yeah. I don't think I've read anything by him. Yeah. He's a pretty good author. Hmm. Pretty good writer. Interesting. I think a lot of the the fiction stuff I actually enjoy reading is anything by Chesterton is just entertaining just because the way he writes. Yeah. Um, well, and, and the stories he tells are usually interesting and like a lot of sci-fi stuff too. So Douglas Adams, um, man, I haven't done a lot of reading lately. I read Lord of the Rings a long time ago. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I can't even, I read a bunch of star Wars books at one point, but I don't even remember which ones or what they were about. Yeah, I should probably do some more reading, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I, There was a point where I basically didn't read for like two years, and I kind of wanna, I wanted to get back into it, so I just started. Cool. Yeah, I, I've read some nonfiction stuff, but nothing... Nothing to write home about recently. Oh, one more thing that I w- was going to talk about and forgot about. Okay. Have you seen Mad Max Fury No, Road? I haven't. I want to see it, though. Have you? You need to. <laughs> I saw it this week. Okay. I was worried that our generation would not have any classics. We have at least one now. Really? <laughs> and that was a good movie. Awesome. It was... It's everything an action movie should be, yeah. which is like it's light on plot and nothing but action. <laughs> and the plot that is there is not bad. And it's told it, they use show, don't tell. So they everything that's told to you pretty much is shown to you and you can just figure it out. Nice. It's great. It's a two hour long car chase and it's amazing. Nice. That's a, that's insane. Two hours long and a car chase. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, the not the entire thing's a car chase. There's some lead up and some. There's stuff that's not in it, but like for the most part, everything happens on vehicles. Yeah. That's and the vehicles cool. are insane too. I don't know. It, just <laughs> over the top. Everything about that movie is over the top. There's a guy with a guitar that is also a flamethrower. I know. I saw that. that it's weird. like if that doesn't sell you on that movie, <laughs> I don't know what will. It's, yeah. The it's action packed. Uh, like the only way I can describe it is using buzzwords: action packed, <laughs> intense. Um, I can't think of any other buzzwords because I hate buzzwords. So well, the buzzwords, you know, this time they actually live up to the movie lives up to it. You know. Yeah. High energy thrills. <laughs> like <laughs> what? But. See, that's the thing is I, I went into the movie expecting to be like, eh, this isn't that good. It was okay. Because everybody was like, it's amazing. Yeah. You need to see it right now. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll go see it. And I did. And I was like, that actually was amazing. And I did need to go see it right now. Yeah. Which rarely happens. Normally, I'm just disappointed. So, yeah, you need to go see it. I, I would talk about it more, but it's kind of, it's the kind of thing you just have to experience for yourself. Yeah, I know. Like I've seen, I've seen previews for it, and I just keep seeing it like different references and different pictures, like all over the internet, like now and then. And I just I'm thinking, wow. Like, I think I saw the behind the scenes. I was bored, and I was just like watching behind the scenes from it, and I was like, wow, that's pretty insane. <laughs> like even the behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, I think were they insane. did most. I, I think they did most of the stuff with practical effects instead of um, CG too. Yep. Which, just, it just means it's going to hold up that much better. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't think people, I don't know if people don't notice CGI or whatever, but, um, like, I don't, I tend to notice that everything that's done computer-generated kind of takes away from from the movie, unless it's done really well and in a, in a kind of an artful way. It's not as bad as it used to be. Yeah. But still, like, especially with stuff like Cars... CG cars and CG car stunts always look wrong. They're just the physics of it just seem off. There's just a lot going on there that most of the like they're animators, not physicists, right? They're good at animating things, but not necessarily good at calculating exactly how a car would spin. So it just ends up looking wrong. And I don't know. It's getting better, but we still haven't reached the point where we can render something in a way that looks as good as it just actually happening. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Mad Max, go see it. All right. I think I think that's it for this week. Unless you have anything else. I think we're good. All right. So, where can people find you, Zachary? <laughs> On the internet, no. Um, you can go to my Google website it. at ZacharyBrunoMusic.com, and also I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I don't know. There'll probably be links all strewn around the internet somewhere. You can find that if you're really interested. Cool. And then, what's your Twitter? Twitter handle is Zachary Bruno, and my oh, that's easy. yeah. I, I'm not very consistent. I kind of have like, uh, 
Zachary Bruno, Zachary Bruno Music, and then I have this kind of series of Arctic Wolf 95 usernames around. So, <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, know. I do that sometimes, but it just it's just because even though I have a strange name, people steal it anyway. I think there are about, like, eight Jordan Lydels in this world, <laughs> and they all have decided to use usernames that are all Jordan <laughs> That's funny. So what what about you, Ben? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Lytle Jordan, because as I was saying, someone stole my username. Uh, So L-Y-T-L-E-J-O-R-D-A-N. And you can find me on this podcast. Those are really the only two places you can find me. So this podcast is on, we post it every Thursday on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, It's Collected Nonsense on SoundCloud. Or CollectedNonsense.com. Or on iTunes, just search for Collected Nonsense in the podcast directory. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for sitting through an hour of us talking about nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) And until next week.